0: For our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Mark McGarvey entitled "Has Our Love Waxed Cold?" Thank you, Rich. It's always uh, good to get warmed up by being up on stage for the first ten minutes. Warms the voice up, you know. Good practice. Well, it's good to be here on this beautiful Sabbath day, a bit too hot for my liking. uh, Us British-Irish people uh, can't handle the heat too good. But, you know, we're in a nice AC building, so that's good. So I put um, on pause the messages I was doing about the obscure stories that i had done three messages before, the rarely mentioned characters of the Bible. I did one on Gideon, and I did one on Jonathan, David's friend. And the last one I did was on uh, the book of Esther. Because the message I want to give today, I think it's relevant now. And my wife mentioned this this verse to me a couple months ago. And it gave me the idea for this split sermon. So here we are. But it's important for us to understand um, what times we are living in. And. (laughs) As for a show of hands, who would like 2020 to go away and start all over again? I mean, what a crazy year. What a, a good year in some ways, a terrible year in other ways. It's an election year. <clears throat> of course, COVID-19 made, made all the headlines this year. Um, but we also had all those riots um, in various American cities and other cities around the world, which you don't hear about too often, but there were riots and confrontations in Paris, uh, in London, and in Sydney, Australia. So, and everyone's lives have been affected. I think everyone here, because, now going back, coming back to America now, hundreds of thousands of people have died. I think the counts up to 170,000 or something. A number which I thought we'd never reach when it, when it first started. We first heard about this back in January and February. Um, and millions have lost their jobs. Absolutely millions. And this past week, they say, um, it was under a million for the first time since the middle of March. 900-something thousand lost their their jobs the last week. Um, But there are still hundreds of thousands of people still in hospitals all over the country. And then the violence and the killings in some cities is really gotten out of hand. New York and Chicago. in Chicago last weekend, for example, there were four people killed. And 40 were shot. So with all what is going on right now, I wanted us to look at um, a famous scripture in the Bible. And it's in uh, Matthew chapter 24, verses 9 through 13. And this is referred to as the uh, the Olivet Discourse, Mount, Mount of Olives, Olivet Discourse. Um, and it's a scene where the disciples came to Jesus when he was sitting on the Mount of Olives and uh, basically asked him what would be the sign of his second coming and the end of the world so let's pick up the story and what Jesus is saying here and we'll begin in Matthew 24 verse 9 Matthew 24 verse 9 then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you'll be hated by all nations For my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And verse 12, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. So I wanted to zone in on verse 12. I wanted to break down what is said here, um, what the meaning of this verse is. And how we can relate it to now, the year 2020. Um, and as these verses were spoken by Christ nearly 2,000 years ago, how really they sound relevant today to us. So looking at the bigger picture, when we put this, this verse into context, um, I think you can go back, this is, this is my opinion, about 110 years, back to the start of the First World War, when um, men killing men really jumped up into the millions. Now, the First World War, from 1914 to 1918, 20 million people died, both military and civilian. An estimated 85 million died in the Second World War. The Chinese dictator Mao Zedong killed an estimated 20 to 45 million in China. And Joseph Stalin in the Soviet Union killed about 20 million. And the 6 million Jews that were killed under Hitler are put in the numbers of the Second World War, that 85 million, which is a staggering number, 85 million people killed between 1939 and 1945. So hundreds of millions of human beings killed by other human beings in war or murdered by evil dictators. A very much a 20th century beginning that is very much alive today. And, of course, today there are many conflicts going on around the world. Of course, the Middle East. We were in Iraq and Afghanistan for almost 20 years, uh, the United States. Um, But there's still conflicts going on in Syria. That's still a war zone. Uh, I believe Yemen is still got a situation going on. Um, And there's some African countries that there are both civil wars and uh, Killings going on and, and wars. So, like it says in, in the Book of Revelations, wars and rumours of wars. But um, so let's let's go back to verse twelve here in Matthew twenty four, and let's read the first part again of Matthew twenty four, verse twelve. Just the first part here, the first few words. Verse twelve, and because lawlessness will abound. Now. Some translations will have lawlessness as iniquity. But what does it mean it will abound? Although in some ways it can be applied to general law breaking by people that happens every day, the real meaning here in this context of what Jesus was talking about is in a religious one, a religious sense. And many Christian denominations today teach that the Sabbath is Sunday. It's begun for hundreds of years. Over a millennia, in fact. The Roman Catholic Church started that back in the, back in the early days of the, the Roman Catholic Church. Um, there's no teaching about the Holy Days. and In fact, if you ask many people that go to these Sunday churches, they wouldn't even know what a Holy Day is. What is that? What are you talking Greek to them? They don't even know what a Holy Day is. They may have heard of Passover, but they wouldn't know anything about Pentecost and these tabernacles and so on. Day of Atonement. Um, and then, um, uh, let's see here. Yeah, Um, and then they, they teach that by Jesus dying all that was done away with well why would he keep the holy days all his life why would he keep the Sabbath adhere to the ten commandments only for them to be done away with after he died would that not have all been in vain no he led by example and we are to follow him his example and he lived his life By the law. The breaking of the bread and the drinking of the wine and the foot washing. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Because he lived it. He believed it. And we are to do the same as we do every year. Right before the Passover service. We do the uh, taking of the wine, eating of the bread, the unleavened bread and the foot washing. Because we believe in Jesus Christ. He is our savior. Yes, he died for us. And he rose for us. But he also lived by the law. And a perfect example of this is, if you go back a few scriptures, also in the book of Matthew, let's go to Matthew 5, chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. And let's begin here. In verse 17, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And notice verse 19 here, which especially ties into Matthew 24, verse 12. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so. And many modern-day Christian denominations are teaching so. They're teaching the Bible in error. By preaching a false doctrine that isn't backed up by scripture can be called lawlessness. And there are other references of strife and deception in the end times in various scriptures. And I actually want to turn to another one of those now. But Matthew 5 verses 17 through 19 shows that Jesus lived by the law and he commanded us to. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. Second Thessalonians chapter two verse, and if you want to keep a uh, bookmark in Matthew twenty-four, you can, because I will be going back there. But uh, Second Thessalonians chapter two verse three, there it is. Chapter two verse three: Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. The falling away here could be a description. Of those who know and who knew the truth... ...being deceived and departing from Christ... ...Satan and his demons are always at work... ...trying to get in amongst us... ...especially the lead-up to the feast... ...which is just two months away now... ...less than two months... Um, ...as I've noticed for years... ...and many of you have noticed it too... ...it seems right before the feast... ...things seem to go wrong... ...whether it be to you personally... ...or national events happen... ...or world events happen... ...disasters... 9-11, back in 2001, was just a few weeks before the feast. Satan and his his demons are are up to no good, as always, and are really trying to up the ante for the feast, especially. A time when we dedicate a week to uh, thinking about the world, the kingdom of God, and and Jesus Christ's second coming. So, another scripture I want to turn to, which is also relevant to Matthew 24 and verse 12, is like a cross-correspondence, is... uh, 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Chapter 3 and verse 1 of 2 Timothy. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. And so on and so forth. It carries on there. Um, and, well, I can go on to verse, verse 4 and 5, I guess. Traders, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. And you really now can see it in today's society and what's going on. And actually, I wanna, I've got a, a quote here from my study Bible I wanted to read here on verses 1 through 5. It's this is a quote from my study Bible. And here it is. Quote, A form of godliness is an outward appearance of reverence for God. Denying its power describes religious activity that is not connected to a living relationship with Jesus Christ. As time progresses people would begin to participate in religious activities that are empty. Their activities have nothing to do with a true relationship with God or with the individual faith in Jesus Christ. This kind of religion provokes God's anger. See, end of quote. So, and like I said, these behaviors are evident today, here in the last few months especially, the unthankful, the unloving, the unforgiving, those without self-control were on full display at some of these riots. The hatred these people had towards the police um, and any kind of uh, lawgivers and, and government. Hatred showed, Or and if you disagreed with their point of view, you're, you're a fool or you're a bad person. Like the one commentator said, those who preach tolerance are incredibly in. Tolerant, you know, so there's an argument to be made that we are living towards the time of the end. But we must also remember that there are many events in prophecy that have to be fulfilled. Yeah, and so when you look at that and think of that, you—I gave a message at the feast uh, three or four years ago, which mentioned uh, the great disappointment of 1844 where um, William Miller and the Seventh-day Adventists in 1844 predicted that Christ would return. And he'd gone back to the Old Testament and somehow translated 2,300 days being 2,300 years. And and they totally didn't read into what had to happen before Christ's return. You know, where were the rivers of blood? Where was the sun and the moon losing its brightness? What about the two witnesses and so on? They ignored all that, ignored all the prophecies of Daniel in the book of Revelation and said that Jesus Christ was going to return on, I think it was March or April, 1844, and you've got to understand the signs of the times. People gave up their lives, their livelihoods, they sold their houses, they sold their businesses thinking that Jesus Christ was going to return, and when he didn't, they lost everything, didn't they? Lost all hope, some of them. But Matthew 24, verse 36. Jesus said, but of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So no matter what man says, and what predictions that man has, nobody knows. Nobody ever will know until Christ returns. Of course, we'll have those prophecies at the end times that we'll be able to read and say, okay, this has happened. This should happen next. It may be a certain amount of time we can figure out. But until these solid prophecies that are in the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, start happening, concrete, and you know for a fact that is one of the prophecies mentioned, that is supposed to happen towards the end, then you can start guesstimating or having an idea of what should happen next and a possibility as to when Christ will return. So let's go back to Matthew 24 and verse 12. And let's look at the second half of that verse. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. Let's look at that again. And the second half of the verse. The love of many will grow cold. Or as some translations have it, will wax cold. And the word wax is an old Saxon word. And it means become. And that was in the original King James, I believe. The love of money will wax cold. And that's how it's been remembered most famously by most people. Um, So with what we've already looked at with lawlessness being preached from the pulpit in some churches. And empty Christian organizations that could be easily swayed by a powerful beast power or a dictator. We can see how the love of money could become or grow cold. Now I read a book about... uh, by um, and I gave a message, too, on the, uh, the German uh, theologian um, during the Second World War. And I forget his name now. It, it passes me. But um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And it was amazing. I never knew this until I read the book. How much Hitler and the Nazis took over Christian organizations and churches in Nazi Germany before the Second World War. I never knew that, that they did. And many uh, Christian churches and preachers gave in for Nazi Party and what they they determined what should be in the bible what shouldn't let's let's put all the jewishness of jesus away let's not mention that let's just have a few verses here i'm not sure if they brought out a nazi bible but it was sad to see that so many churches and christian preachers in germany gave in to hitler and the nazi party's demands and it goes to show how it can be done so when all you hear is negative, when people knowingly put out false news or disseminate bad outcomes for those who believe in the truth, then we can see how our faith can be tested. And there was a couple of Bible concordances I looked up regarding this verse, verse 12 of Matthew 24. Uh, one is the Expositor's Greek Testament, and it states, quote, One of the sad features of a degenerate time is that even the good Lose their fervor, end quote. And then uh, I also had one from Gill's Exposition Commentary, which says, quote, "There were many whose zeal for Christ, through the violence of persecution, was greatly dampened." End quote. So, what's the other important part of this second part of verse 12 that we mustn't forget? It says, "The love of many not." All, see, must remember that part. The love of many will grow cold, not all, okay? So we must pray, therefore, we must hope that we're not swayed by the devil, that we hold firm to the bitter end. As my dad used to always say, hold firm to the bitter end. And I found a great quote while researching this subject. It was from an essay on the uh, Got Questions website, about Matthew 24, verse 12. Uh, Quote, True love cannot become cold because it is sustained by Christ who is able to keep us from falling. End quote. How true that is. Great quote. The power of Jesus Christ's love for us is unbelievable. It cannot be matched by anything man can do. The giving of his life the shedding of his blood for us, that cannot be measured in human terms. The great creator of the universe, the one who created time itself, gave his life for you and me. The one who calculated where the sun should be in relation to the earth and put all the other planets into a perfect orbit. And he did it for us. And you know another great thing which shows the supreme intelligence of our creator. This story, I think a couple of the uh, guys have mentioned this, the, uh, that Hubble Telescope program they did 15, 18 years ago um, where the Hubble Telescope, they zoned on in this one minute black area in between stars, you know, millions of light years out there. And they had the Hubble Telescope telescope zone in that one area for like a week. And that black area, they magnified and saw billions more stars. So even with the Hubble telescope, it was blackness at first. They zoned in on that area, focused on it, and saw billions more stars. How vast and awesome is our God and our Creator. And that light's taking billions of years to reach us. And that is our supreme creator who loves us. And Jesus cried Jesus Christ came to earth. Lived his life perfectly without sin, was crucified, died for us, and then after three and a half days, rose again for us and defeated death. That's our God. That's who loves us and who is on our side and who will be on our side to the very end because we know how this story ends. So we have an awesome God who loves us and chose us and called us out from the world. I want to look at another scripture here. Um, just one more scripture here, away from Matthew 12, and it's going to be in uh, Philippians, chapter one, verses nine through 11. Philippians, chapter one, verses nine through 11. Bear with me here while I find that. Philippians, chapter one, verses nine through 11. Okay, I've got it over two pages here. Okay, Philippians 1 and verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all the sermon, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So is this not the opposite in some ways of Matthew 24:12, In the sense that when you read the two together, Paul's letter to the Philippians is one of how to grow in the knowledge of our Savior and by being sincere and without offense to anyone, being filled with this righteous fruits of the Spirit and doing it all for God's glory. And like I've said in many of my messages that I've, I've given, our, goal, our ultimate goal here. Is to attain the character of Christ. As our Christian life goes on. And before his return. To attain the character of Christ. We have to strive for perfection. And the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do just that. And let's go back one final time to Matthew 24. Because let's read the next verse after. Verse 12 which gives us the hope. Verse 13, Matthew 24 and verse 13. Uh, But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So that's the hope there, verse 13. And that's what it's going to take, endurance, to make it to the end. Yes, there are tough times, but tougher times are ahead. Let's pray to God that he will give us the strength and the fight to get through it. Let us pray that our love will never wax cold.